Well, good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. It's good to be here this morning together as God's people to worship. Um, just to let you know a few, few of the things happening in the life of our church. Uh, in particular today, uh, you may have already been aware there is a festival in our neighborhood, uh, the, the Square Roots Festival that's happening both yesterday and today. Um, we have a table there. So either if you'd like to kind of volunteer, if you'd like to come and to help out, uh, just to sit at the table and to be there. But also if you're in the neighborhood and walking with your family and want to stop by, uh, please do. And there'll be kids, uh, crafts, and um, just a time to meet other people, to spend time together as a, as a church family as well. So that's today uh, from 12 to 6. We'll be there at the Square Roots. Also this Wednesday uh, evening, July 13th at 6.30 p.m., uh, we are having our first summer cookout. It's going to be at the Greco's, and they, they live over on Ainsley. The address is here in our order of worship. And please come, and uh, uh, we'll have some nice food together, a good time of fellowship, um, and to spend, spend that time together. Well, God calls us out of our sin and rebellion, and he calls us in to be his covenant family. And so uh, as we prepare for worship, let's just take a moment of pause as we begin. Good morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm 73. Will you stand and join us in singing? Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They are not in trouble as others are, pride is their necklace. They set their mouths against heaven, against the heavens, and their tongue stretched through the earth. thought how to understand this, it seemed a wearisome, ta wearisome task, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. You make them fall into ruin, they are destroyed in a moment, swept away by terrors. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you, but for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of your works.
Let us pray together. Father, we thank you that through the grace of your Son, you have called us into your holy presence. We thank you that while each of us was far off, mired in sin and rebellion, you loved us. As we gather here this morning, fill us with the wonder and joy at that reality of this gift. For those of us who come with hearts burdened by loneliness, doubt, and discouragement, Meet us with your pure and perfect love. For those of us who come with questions and challenges with our work, remind us that we are seen and cared for by you. For those of us for whom the week has brought success and joy, remind us that all good things come from you. For all of us, bind us together through your spirit for the glory of your kingdom. Father, we bring before you the tumult that engulfs our world the wars that rage on, hunger that plagues the poor, and leaders that fall and rise. In all this, we acknowledge that your son truly rules and reigns, and we long for his rule of peace and justice. Lord, we also pray for our city and region that continues to be fractured by violence and death. We ask for comfort and justice for the families that suffer and the communities that mourn as we continue to be comfort, confronted with these events that seem to go on and on and are tempted to despair, grant us compassion and wisdom. Shape our anger into resolve to serve you and our neighbors in this place without fear in holiness and righteousness. Break our hearts, challenge our comforts, and our self-satisfaction. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, children, kindergarten through fourth grade are dismissed. Um, you can meet Ms. Melinda in the back. Um, we continue worship through a time of confession and insurance, acknowledging our sins and failures before the Lord and resting in his grace. We will do this corporately through prayer and song um, and then have a time of silent personal confession. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Loving Father, we confess to you that when we look at the world around us, it seems sometimes hard to believe that you are in control and to trust in your goodness. Lord, listen to our prayers, be with us, and strengthen our faith that we may love you and love one another. Amen.
Let us take a moment to confess our sins to the Lord. Father, forgive us our daily rebellions against you and the pain that we cause one another, the pain that we cause ourselves, our neighbors. We thank you that we are not what we have done or we have said or even thought, but that through the gift of your son, you have reconciled us to you and called us to be a people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, just as Christ has welcomed us, let us welcome one another.
2019. The Old Testament lesson is from Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and verses 1 through 7. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. The New Testament lesson is from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were, were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Well, for a number of weeks now, we have been spending time in the Psalms. And this morning, uh, we turn our attention to Psalm 32. And it's a, a psalm that is uh, surrounded with blessing, with joy, with, with gratitude. It both begins and ends in this uplifting, this, this blessed, joyous place. And yet at the heart of the psalm, um, they traverse through the hard realities of lost fellowship, of the perils of walking alone in the darkness of sin. 
So the psalm holds for us what, what many psalms do, both the hard and the true experiences of, li- of life with the beautiful and the joyous realities of the mercy of God in our life of faith. So let's turn together uh, to uh, Psalm 32, and I'll read here from our order of worship. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Well, since God's word is given for our good, let me, let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we ask now that you would open us up to hear your words of life, to receive them, and be changed by them. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, St. Augustine, in his great book, The Confessions, remembers an incident in his past He's about 16 years old, and he and a bunch of friends, they broke into a pear orchard, and he stole the pears. <laughs> afterwards, he's asking himself the, the question, why did I do that? Especially um, when he wasn't really hungry and he didn't really like pears. So he reflects on this experience, and he begins to realize that he, uh, he wanted to steal the pears because it was forbidden. If no one had said, you know, don't do that, don't, don't go there, he, would have, he wouldn't have been interested. But because someone said, don't go in there, that's why he wanted to do it, right? So he realized at the core of his being was this impulse that says, nobody tells me how to live my life. And it's that self-assertiveness, that the self-centeredness, that hatred of, of any limitations of our desires that it actually makes your life miserable, and it makes the world a miserable place. You see, inside the core of our being, there is an impulse, a trigger, when we encounter limitations against our desires, that we tend to break stuff. And it usually goes that when rules get in the way, uh, we break them. When promises stand in front of desire, we move away from those two. But most of all, we break relationships because we can't have relationships without breaking independence, without moving away from yourself in some way, right? And so the closer you are to a friend, the closer you are in a love relationship, more and more you just can't do what you want to do. And we hate that. So all of our self-centeredness, all of our relational betrayals, all of the ways we break stuff when our desires turn inward, all of the ways that we diverge off the path that God intends for us, Scripture calls this sin and transgression. Well, Psalm 32, it is one of six psalms that are referred to as the penitential psalms. And what this... What this means is that this is a psalm that especially goes right in. The shorthand of this is to to, to talk about sin. And so in verse 1, the psalm writer, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, 
whose sin is covered. There are two different words, both that can be translated as sin or transgression or even something else, but the, the range of meaning is meant to draw us into the, to the broad realities of sin. And I want us to, to maybe think about this, to hold one, one uh, common sin for a minute. Think about lying. What happens when you lie? I don't mean lies that you get caught in. What happens when you lie and you never get caught? Is there anything wrong? Does anything happen? (laughs) And here's what perhaps could happen. Anyone we lie to, anyone we actively deceive, we have begun to erode the relationship. You lie to somebody and now you have to work at, at keeping the truth from that person to preserve and protect yourself. You're not unguarded with them. You... You're not able to share. You're not able to to open up. You've actually begun to to ruin the relationship as soon as you lie. And the seat is not just what you have done. It it turns on you because you have to work harder. It's more costly than if you experienced any amount of discomfort from the truth. And the other reality of lying is that when you lie, you treat people not as persons, but as objects, you're manipulating them. You're, you're telling them that, that what, you, what you want them to hear. You're trying to control them. You're, you're not treating them as people. You dehumanize them. And when we dehumanize other people, we dehumanize ourselves. We harden ourselves. We begin to, to look over our shoulders, un, unable to trust looking with more suspicion at the actions of other people. And even the sobering impact of deceit, of lying, is that it doesn't just impact us as individuals. It it erodes the social fabric of society, right? Lying breeds a society that can't trust what they read. They can't trust what they hear. It, It becomes a community, a society that begins to unravel. So when scripture invites us to not lie, to not steal, or kill, or commit adultery, it's not busy work for God's people. In those invitations, they reflect the design of God's heart of relationships in this world. And when you sin, you violate the design and set up ruptures in the fabric of reality that can only lead to breakdown. And so there is this impulse inside of us to, to self-centeredness, to self-assertion that makes us want to break stuff, right? That, that break promises, to break rules, to break relationships. But when we do it, it's not as if someone comes to track us down or we just, we just get it on judgment day. There are natural consequences, deep consequences for going against the fabric of God's design. Right? This is the poisonous, the, the poisonous reality of sin and transgression. It's a, it's a reality that cuts deep and gets in our bones, and it erodes our lives. Well, one of the things that the reality of sin does in our lives is that it produces guilt and shame. And guilt and shame can produce in us a sense of condemnation, and, and that is impossible, right, to shake it's like a voice that's telling us that, that you are an imposter, that you are a fraud, you are not good enough, you are ugly, and you are a coward, you are a failure, right? You are not living up to standards. And what do we do about that sense that there is something wrong with us? That, what are we going to do about that? Look at verse 5. <laughs> Psalmist, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my, of my sin. Friends, confession. Confession is liberation for the soul. It takes the weight off. It takes the edge off. It silences the voice that says you're an imposter, you're a fraud. It begins... It begin to break down that feeling of being stained or infected. 
And when sin draws in to the hiding, when we begin to deflect and deceive in our relationships, confession brings into the light the true reality of your actions. And this confession that begins to set up, it begins to set us on the path towards reconnection, towards forgiveness and lightness, the freedom of, of being new again, restored, renewed in the light of the sun. Let me think for a minute about the prodigal son in Luke's gospel. We all, we know all too well the descent into the darkness the rebellious move away from the father, the lavish indulgence, the, the feeding the idolatrous appetites to fill up the emptiness. But there is this moment that Jesus describes beautifully. And it says in the text, when he came to himself and he decides to go back and to offer these powerfully haunting and true words to his father, what does he say? He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, I don't know if you can see his face in that moment, but you can see this, the, the I, I just imagine the look, the, the desperation, but yet the honest, the true moment to say that in front of the faithfulness, the love of the Father. And yet the psalmist, he understands the prodigal well. He understands the hiding and the leaving the toll that it has taken. He understands how sin gets turned inwards, that you are alone and groaning and carrying tremendous weight, feeling dried up, as he says. But the psalmist, he knows, he knows what to do. Notice what he says. He says the first thing in verse 5, that I acknowledged my sin to you. You see, it... Uh, you have to have a clear standard. And the clear standard really is, is has to be about what, what God thinks. And so what, is, what does he think? What does he think about the ways that we can be really crafty and deflect the responsibility of our actions? What does God think about how we can use our piety, how we can leverage the positive and the meaningful things that we have done to cover up? and dismiss the harm that we do to our friends, our families, even our enemies? What does God think about how we play favorites to the people we like or who are like us and, or who threaten our way of life and our culture? What does God think about how we sabotage, sabotage what is really good for us meaningful relationships that love deeply, that, that love deeply with invitations towards honesty and vulnerability and commitment and even playfulness, right? What does he think about how we can sabotage those good things for cheap substitutes that leave us feeling empty and alone? You see, when the voice of God, the person of Christ, when his words and his life begin to agitate and disrupt our way of life, do we let it in? Are our hearts open to the words of Scripture, to the standards of life that God would invite us into that are for our good and for the good of the world? And friends, to look to that standard is to come to God with open hands of faith, to open ourselves up to his way of being that will both cut you deep and hold you up. So the psalmist, he invites us to this clear standard, a standard based upon what God thinks. The psalm writer also invites us to take full responsibility for what we have done wrong. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I mean, not covering up means that there is no excuse. There's no deflecting or dismissing or denying or gaslighting. The invitation into true confession, it, it invariably means that we move away from shifting blame. And let me just say <laughs> that some of us, many of us have had really hard lives. Many of us have been in the crosshairs of wickedness, of cursing, 
of betrayal, of being physically, emotionally, spiritually abused by or abandoned by the ones who you were connected to. I mean, those things are real and impactful and full of deep lament and grief. But experiencing those things, it does not entitle you to harm those around you. It does not give you a credit line to shift the impact and the responsibility of your harmful actions onto the shoulders of another person. You see, when we do this, we join in the kingdom of the darkness. That means to steal and to kill and destroy. And when our lips can't find those words, those words that the prodigal uttered, that I have sinned against heaven and before you, our sin, it gets transferred over to those around us. And taking responsibility, confessing the true wrong that we have done, it sets our hearts towards the mercy of God. That, that means to, to, to meet us fully and transform all the things that have been done to us and we have done to others. And let me just say this, that, 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 that true confession is very different than self-pity. A lot of people, including me, sometimes you experience sorrow for the things you have done, right? You, you, you may even say, I'm so sorry, I, I never should have done that. You feel terrible and there is a, an empathy for the wrong that was done, that you're connecting with. And yet self-pity is not a liberating confession that actually relieves your conscience and changes the heart. It can be real easy for our confessions to get lost in these dead ends. And what do I mean? Well, in verse 5, it says, you, have, you and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I mean, we hear the word iniquity, and maybe we just think of another term for sin. But, but what the psalm writer is getting at here, the word iniquity here is a word that conveys evil. Or, or what it means to be twisted or the sinfulness of things. And as one scholar puts it, a way to understand this phrase is that God forgave the sinfulness of my sin. And what does that mean? Well, think of it this way. Sometimes in our attempts to confess and repent, we confess, we repent of the ways our actions have impacted us. We get upset about the consequence of our sin and not the sinfulness of our actions. So a father may be upset that his anger has had devastating consequences for his family, but he isn't upset about the impact of that anger on the real people in his family. He's not upset about the, the sinfulness of his anger, but about the ways his anger has distanced himself from his spouse, his, his kids. And perhaps for people like him, the embarrassment of being distant with the family, the inconvenience of it, the lack of access to his family's internal world, that is more devastating than the actual sinfulness of his actions to his family. In other words, he didn't see the sinfulness of his actions as a bad thing in and of itself. And friends, that is self-pity. He wasn't sorry about what he was doing to his family. He wasn't sorry about what he was doing to God. He was sorry about, about, how, what, about what he was doing to himself, which means he hated the consequence of the sin and not the sin. And as soon as the consequences go away, you can be sure that his heart will go right back, right back to the sinfulness of his anger. And so, friends, we need to confess the real sinfulness of our sin, the real impact that our sin has done to others and to God. And how do we do this? How do we do that? Well, we need to move closer to the impact of our sin, to name with particularity, with specificity, the ways our sin has caused, caused rupture and damage. It involves empathy, right? To put ourselves into the shoes of the other, to, to ask questions, to understand how they have been impacted. And once you hold it 
and to feel it. It's good to confess back to God and to your loved one the ways you understand the sinfulness of your actions. It means confessing that when I got really angry at my child last night because they were whining and really needy, that your anger, it meant to crush that neediness, to curse that neediness, that it portrayed a hate towards the needs of your child in that moment. And instead of stepping away, you wanted them to wear the shame for having such juvenile needs. You see, friends, when we confess the details of our sinfulness, it allows us to experience the true sinfulness of our actions and to come face to face with the very true reality that we need a rescuer, that we need the mercy of the one who has the means to cover our sins and to lead us into a new way of being in this world. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Well, in Romans chapter 4, Paul quotes Psalm 32. And here really is what he is saying in that, in, that, in that quotation. Jesus covers it. And you know why Jesus wasn't, he wasn't electrocuted, he wasn't assassinated or shot. Jesus was crucified. And you know what crucifixion is? It, it's a terrible, it's a horrible, slow death through exposure. You're stripped, you're uncovered, you're naked and, and totally exposed. And you are out in the elements, the cold, the rain, the heat. You are defenseless to the weapons of the, soldier, of the soldiers. You are naked to the cursing of the crowd. It's a horrible and slow death. In Psalm 32, it joins with the momentum of the scriptures that is aiming and marching towards this, the, the moment in the story of God when the Son of Man, the one who knew no sin, became sin. The one who made no defense for his guiltlessness, rather was silent. He walked in the path into crucifixion and death. For what reason? To cover our sin. So that you can say, I, I can't deny my own sinfulness. I, I can't dismiss my inclination to break stuff. I can't change the ways I, I seek to rebel and chase down things that I hope will bring me life, but often leave me empty and alone and far away from God and others. When we confess those things in faith, it brings us to the reality that Jesus covers our sin. And friends, this covering, it is, as the psalmist says, a hiding place, a refuge from trouble, a place of deliverance from the reality of, of sin and death. And the good news, when we have turned in repentance and faith to, to, to Jesus, we, have, we are adorned in, the, in this glory and beauty. We're covered in the radiant rightness of Christ. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the psalm, <laughs> even though it can feel like hard news and good news. But God, we ask that you would uncover and expose our hearts to bring words to the rupture, to the sin in our own lives, so that we might encounter your mercy, your forgiveness, that Jesus could cover our lives in his self-giving love. May our hearts be glad. May they rejoice in this. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together.
Almighty God, may your will, not ours, be done in our lives. You are the creator and sustainer of everything seen and unseen, and it is good and right to join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. seated. As Brian shared with us that oftentimes our sin turns us in on ourselves, the table here gives us a sign of what it looks like to turn outward. And we see that in Christ and him giving himself for us. Those who would turn inward, those who pity ourselves and those around us, we see one who did not pity us, but who turned towards us to feed us. In the bread and in the wine, we see this sign. We practice this. As we come forward to eat and drink, we practice what does it look like to no longer turn inward, to acknowledge and confess our brokenness, and to receive grace and to receive mercy. If you acknowledge this for yourself, if, if this is something that, no, you don't do it perfectly, but you know that this is what you need, then this table is for you, this bread and this wine. We invite you to come forward. Let me pray for our elements now. Gracious, merciful God, Lord, we acknowledge that we do come to this space. We come before you needy and frail and weak and overwhelmed and filled with our guilt and shame. 
And yet, gracious God, as we look at this bread, as we see the wine, as we receive it, we are reminded that you have given yourself freely and wonderfully and graciously to your people. Lord, I ask that you would use these elements now to build us up and to strengthen us by your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, as he was with his disciples eating, he broke the bread, giving thanks and saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, Jesus took the cup saying, drink this cup, for as often as you drink this cup, you proclaim the new covenant of the forgiveness of sins. For as often as we eat this meal, we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the death of Christ and his glorious resurrection and new life in him. Well, I invite the servers to come forward at this time. If, uh, as they're coming forward, uh, we invite you to come forward and receive the elements from the servers. You can take from the bread. Uh, the wine is red, the grape juice is white. We have some gluten-free wafers, and we have a few self-packaged uh, uh, communion items if you would like to take that as well. Um, if you would like to receive a prayer rather than receiving communion, we ask you to come forward and you can receive a prayer from Pastor Brian or myself.
the body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. The blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins, take and drink. Well, as we respond to this blessing of forgiveness and grace, will you please stand with me and we will respond with prayer and song. Lord Jesus Christ, grant us faith to trust in your grace alone as we proclaim the mystery of faith. please join me in our corporate prayer. That the kingdom might come, that the world might believe, that the power might stumble, that the hidden might be seen. Christ is coming to make all things new. That aggression may stop, that the war may end, that peace will break out like a fountain, that pain and suffering would end. Christ is coming to make all things new. Amen. You may be seated at this time. I invite our servers to go ahead and come forward. Um, again, we're reminded as, as we come to worship, we are, we are forgiven, we receive Christ's forgiveness and grace, and everything about our life is from God. And so part of the way that we worship and, and continue to reflect that is by giving back to his work and his good work and kingdom. So we invite you to do that with the, the offering plates. And there's also a way to give um, that's written here. You can give online as well. As the plates are going around, I'll just make one brief um, announcement. Uh, uh, we have the festival. The Square Roots Festival is going on uh, over on Lincoln Avenue. And uh, it's a great time. Tons of folks are out uh, enjoying good food and, and drink. And, and there's a kids zone over there on Sunnyside Avenue. And we have a booth over there. Uh, so we're very thankful for all the volunteers who have set that up, who are running the booth. Uh, the kids are making bracelets, free bracelets. So if, you, if your kids are around, if you're around, uh, feel free to drop by and say hello to our volunteers and, and make a free bracelet. Um, so as we continue to respond and worship, let us stand and we'll sing our doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here
Real brief before our benediction, uh, there is a fellowship time right after at McPherson Park. Please join us to get to know one another fellowship. Receive now God's blessing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Go in peace.